Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, we get Nick Rewalt's thoughts on Wildcard Weekend. The heat has come on St Kilda and we discuss what is the actual reality. Can Port Adelaide win the flag? And we give our take on the Grundy-Gorn situation. That's all to come on today's edition of Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk on this Tuesday, July 18, round 19, just around the corner. Of course, this is the place to get all your news, interviews, analysis from the world of AFL, and it's also the only place you can hear this man, Nick Rewalt. Hello, Rue. Uh, still nice and warm over there in Houston? Boiling. Thank you, Joey. Uh, yeah, hot. Not as hot as the temperature on the Saints this week. Oh, have they come for the Mate, Saints? Crank it up. We will get to that in a minute because there's plenty of news happening this week, Roo. Some Tuesdays a bit quieter than others, but a lot on the agenda. And I want to get straight into it because the one that was spoken about last night, and to be fair, Hutchie has been on this for years and you're over in America. We're talking about wild card weekend. And should we look to find something to have on the bye weekend of the home and away season before finals, have 7th v 10th, 8th v 9th, elimination final, and then have the top eight go from there. What are your first thoughts when you hear about a wildcard weekend in AFL? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Give, give us more. Um, I mean, I think this this year is the year to campaign it if you're the AFL because of the log jam um, from, what is it, fifth all the way down to 14th. So I think if you're going to win the sentiment of the people, then now, now is the time. But, I mean, I think... When you when you look at it from a common sense point of view and, and from a marketing point of view, a return on investment, which is the way the AFL approach everything, you got more fan bases engaged throughout the most important month of, of the year. So yeah, look, I, I, I love it. I, I think yeah, you might get the occasional situation where a team finishing seventh is you know is a, is a long, long, long way clear, but. Give, give us more footy at the, the most important time of the year with stakes attached to it. And I think everyone would love that as, as fans of the game. I'm with you, Rui. There's way more positives than negatives. And even that argument, and Brett Ratton last night on AFL 360 said that exact thing. Oh, what if you're seventh and you're three games clear of 10th? Well, that exactly the same applies if you're fifth versus eighth. You might be three games clear in fifth spot against eighth. You're still playing in a knockout final first week. So it doesn't really uh, make much sense. But I agree with you. The teams, all of a sudden, there's incentive to finish top six. So if you're hanging around fifth and sixth, that's a massive deal to stay in the top six and guarantee the finals berth. We know about top four. And I like the idea that teams that are now, around about this time of the year, sitting around 12th, 13th, 14th, are in a situation where they can go two ways. They can start, not tanking, but start, put players on ice. Winning's not the priority. In fact, sometimes at this point of the year, getting down the ladder and getting a higher draft pick, finishing in the bottom six and getting a better draw for next year, all those things are actually more of an incentive than trying to win some games when you're not going to make the eight. But all of a sudden, yep. if you've got a wildcard weekend and teams that are sitting 12th, 13th, 14th, go, you know what? If we win four of our last six games, we can sneak into 10th. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, because as the competition's expanded and we've had compromised drafts and priority picks and all of that sort of stuff, the worst spot you could possibly finish over the, over the last, what, 10, 15 years has been ninth. Yep. Because you're not playing finals, you're not contributing in September, and you are so far down the draft order that you can't really transform your organisation with, with an early draft pick. So, yeah, I love it. it extended out to 10, extended out to 12, whatever, but... I think water's always going to find its own level. Like, we don't really expect a team from ninth or 10th to go all the way and, and, and win it. So it's not going to compromise the final series uh, in, in any significant way. The, the one that I think will get raised is is teams coming off a bye. So if you finish fifth or sixth, potentially 
having to face a team that that got momentum, having just won a final. But we we know Joey statistically coming out of a bye, it's it's fifty. It's a fifty-fifty proposition at best. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, the numbers say that it's not really a disadvantage coming off a buy. I know we had a bit of a situation, a unique situation this year with a lot of the teams losing off the buy, but most of those teams are underdogs anyway. But the stats say I think it's about a forty-eight percent win rate. So it's really, as you said, fifty-fifty. I like it. I'm a progressive. Hopefully, they look into it and something that I think will really add to the competition as we go on. You mentioned priority picks uh, and, and the incentive to sort of finish down the bottom. There's also a lot of talk at the moment about the Kangaroos and do they need more assistance to get back up um, and and challenge at some point? Are you a fan of priority picks and should North Melbourne get one? Uh, Well, I was one, so I liked them, Joey. Yes, exactly. It's a long time ago. Yeah. They were 23 years ago or something. But, uh, oh, look, I I think we – like the, the kangaroos are a really interesting situation because they lost the number one draft pick l- last year who was only at the, cl- at the club for a year and they were able to actually go and capitalize on their pick so there's 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 some somewhere in the middle i mean uh, yes i think i think some sort of concessions i mean west coast oh it, it's a difficult one to answer because west coast are so much further away from it than North Melbourne, um, yep. yet they only won a premiership five years ago. So I'm not sure we should be giving teams that won a premiership so recently a priority pick. Yep. But how can you exclude them um, or how can you give North one at the expense of West Coast? So, yeah, look, I, I'm, I am for creating or pulling levers for sides to be able to climb back up the ladder. Um, but, look, I, I think they have enough mecha- mechanisms in place, particularly if they were to offload a player like Ben Mackay this year to um, restock with some more kids. Look, I think they're going to be pretty handy in, in the next sort of two to three years anyway, given what they've been able to accumulate. So give me, like, yes or no, um, I would say no, no, no priority pick. Yeah, I- I'm open to it. I think absolutely. I mean, it's funny, the people that are leaning towards a no, like you think about the Hawthorne dynasty under Clarkson when they won three premierships, the whole Ruffhead, they got two priority picks in successive years. Like people forget Jared Ruffhead was a priority pick and then the following year, Xavier Ellis was a priority pick. No one puts an asterisk on Hawthorne's premierships and says, oh, that's unfair. They got priority picks. Oh, I think that, you know, what's happened in the past, I think it's something that the Kangaroos need. We want an even competition and we don't want teams to just wallow down the bottom. And we, we have so many different mechanisms in our competition that are unfair, you know, that whether, that are trying to equalise, whether it's, you know, um, the, the fixture and all those sorts of things. So I think they deserve one. We don't want to continue to see them down the bottom of the ladder, but that'll play out. I think Tom Brown's reporting, instead of getting a traditional priority pick, they might give them priority access to a young player named Riley Sanders from Tasmania, who is probably a top 10, or he certainly would be a top 10 draft prospect anyway. So that might be a way to sort of work around it. The AFL will yeah, put their little they're, they're the ones that I like rather than just a, a pick yep. before the start of the draft. I mean, because clubs you know, plan to bottom out and do, and do all, all of that sort of stuff. I, I think pulling the levers like GWS have, like Sydney have with academies and, um, you know, they're, they're, I just feel like they're a little bit more authentic than just going bang here, have a, have a, have a free pick. Yeah. The irony for me though is giving them a priority access to a Tasmanian, to North Melbourne. What's going to happen in three years' time? When Tasmania start to get opportunities to get players, who are they going to target? Local Tasmanian kids. So Riley well, Sanders probably in four yeah. years' time will be heading to Tasmania anyway. But that's Atta a different boy. story. Good boy, Riley. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what about um, – you touched on St Kilda. There's been a bit of heat on them 
this week. All of a sudden, there's a, a bit of a sort of negative um, approach to the way St Kilda have played. Really disappointing performance against the Gold Coast Suns. But before I get your take, there's been a little bit of chatter. Let's just take a listen, first of all, to Kane Corns on uh, Footy Classified last night, and then Andrew Bassett on the Saints TV podcast uh, only a few weeks ago. When they sacked Brett Ratton as the coach last year, this was the president, Andrew Bassett, and then this was Ross Lyon after the loss on the weekend. The reality is we think our list is capable of more um, than we've shown. I just feel when our top flights aren't really going there, there's not enough quality to step up and take the load off them, um, as harsh as that might be. Somehow we're going to improve our footy program. But in saying that, we expect to play better than that. So that's the reality, Hutchie, is that they are no better. In fact, you could mount the case that they are worse this year on, on some metrics. Their struggles to score have been well documented. And I think, Lordo, for the first time, Ross Lyon is starting to realise the situation that he is in and how much work is needed to fix it. You say the first time, though, Kane, you don't think that he would have known this when he walked into no, the No, I don't think that at all. I think the narrative has clearly changed around him. I went through the review, and the review is really me spending three or four months pretty much full-time at the club, speaking to hundreds of people inside the club, outside the club, really trying to understand just the fundamental questions. Are we genuinely on track to be contending or are we just kidding ourselves? And to be frank, the, the review came back now at the moment, we're just kidding ourselves. So uh, it felt a little bit like Kane Corns was sort of implying the club are a bit confused with where they're at or not sure. But we heard Andrew Bassett say there, the review and at the start of the year, they knew exactly where they sat. St Kilda, and I don't think the narrative's really changed from the start of the year when they were winning to when they were losing. I think Ross Lyon has been pretty open and pretty consistent with understanding where the list is at. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, you could make an argument the first half of the season, Ross Lyon was the coach of the year, doing what he did with mm. what he had at yep. his disposal. And Andrew Bassett's comments, yeah, we expect more of the list. That doesn't mean you think you should be finishing higher up the ladder. Yep. That, that means that Connor Clark's capable of more. Nick Caulfield's capable of more. Max King's capable of all these players that we've invested really heavily in that that aren't necessarily performing to the level you would expect for the draft capital that was spent on them. Um, you, we, we expect more, and that that's absolutely the case. So that review that w- was conducted to say that St Kilda have not gone forward or to, to make any other suggestion is is being far too narrow in your view of wins and losses because the, I can promise you now, the standards in that joint over the last however long have been subpar. And so when the president says we were, an, we, we were kidding ourselves, we were a mile off it, you're not just talking about the win-loss. You're, you're talking about the actual talent you've got at your disposal and you're talking about the standards within the football club to, to allow that talent to outperform, which ha- hasn't happened. So they've absolutely gone forward. And guess what? Now now I think we're starting to see the, the, the lack of talent on the list because, I mean, look at the look at the, the weekend. I mean, the forward line was kids and yep. Caminiti and, and Sharman. I mean, what, what are we really expecting this, this group to achieve at the moment? Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think it's uh, – it's it's headline grabbing. It's it's a convenient narrative on the back of some some poor weeks. But again, I think water's found its level, and this is probably where um, St Kilda thought they were going to be to start the season, but overachieved on the back of really strong effort and system. Yeah, five teenagers in that forward line on the weekend, and yes, they played poorly. But when you're talking about, as you said, Caminiti, Owens, Filippo, uh, Paris as well, and Sharman, I mean, it was always going to be tough. They've really, you know, Max King's only been there for a little bit and showed glimpses, but mm. they've done it without the most important player. And that's, that's not creating player. excuses, because no. don't worry, they, they've got a huge issue to fix Absolutely. with respect to the amount 
amount of talent they've got on their list. Yep. Is there an A grader on this list? Sinclair's an A grader, and I think yep. Max King's got the potential. Um, yep. And Wanganee Miller, there's a few of the kids that have got some yeah. potential, but there, they've still got a, a fair way to go to get the, the amount of quality, and they know that. They know exactly where they're at. And if they play finals, I think everyone would say at the start of the year that's a pretty remarkable effort. Two really winnable games, Hawthorne and North Melbourne, yep. over the next few weeks. So we'll see where that lands. Hey, one other uh, take, talking about uh, the forward line. Carlton now going to be without Harry Mackay, look, looks like for the rest of the home and away season with a arthroscope on a meniscus injury. As a big alpha key forward, and you played alongside Cozzy for so long and Fraser Gehrig, what's it like when you go from having your, your wingman and having the two-pronged attack to now Charlie Curnow being the number one man? Is it is it a negative? Is it a positive? How do the club and the team and Charlie work around that to make it work the best for them? I think it depends on your makeup first and foremost as a player, and I think it's it's then that the coaches will recognise the makeup of the player. To me, Charlie Kernow reeks of a bloke that wants that wants to be the man inside fifty. Um, so I think he'll thrive on it. Um, you know, knowing that you do not have to make space for another player. So if you if you are up the ground, you can charge back inside the 50 knowing that that is your domain and all the ball's going to come through you. So look, I think it's something that does play on your mind a little bit when you have it, well, particularly when you've got another Coleman medalist in the forward line is, is do I defer? Do I get out of the way? Do I roll in behind? No, no, he can just be see ball, get ball, which I think suits his style of play, his athleticism and his persona perfectly. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Uh, and I'm excited too. I've already teed up, Rui. Hughes is going to come in next Tuesday after they beat the West Coast Eagles this week. They'll be in the eight. <laughs> We're going to get okay. Hughesy back in and okay. find out what sort of mood he is in, whether he's still got the half glass empty or whether he's jumped fully on the bandwagon because uh, four weeks ago he was pretty scathing on the blues. We, and we, should, bring, we should bring out some audio yes. for when we're in studio yeah, together. Let's do that. We'll, we'll roll a little package for him. <laughs> the negative Husey and then let's see what he's going to come. So he will join us next Tuesday. We've teed that up so can't Perfect. wait for that. Hey, we'll take a break because I want to get into real talk shit talk. A couple of big topics. Are Port Adelaide genuine premiership contenders? I want to get your take on the Max Gorn Brody Grundy situation and also Do we chair off too many players? We'll get all that next on Real Talk Shit Talk, but you're listening to Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Spotify, please hit the bell. I'm here with Nick Rewalt. Rui, let's get into Real Talk Shit Talk and the big talking point that I want to ask you first of all. Port Adelaide, a lot of talk about them. They rank 11th for points against. History has said every team that wins a flag in the last 20 odd years has ranked in the top six. So I'm going to say to you, Port Adelaide can't win the flag with where their defence ranks right now. Real talk, shit talk. No, it's shit talk. They can win it. Absolutely they can win it because, I mean, we've seen teams that like Richmond that have really struggled at clearances throughout the season and then they find a way to, to fix that part of their game and, they, and it carries them through September. So absolutely they can win. I mean, if they, if they dish up those sort of numbers throughout September, well, then it will be really, really difficult because we, we, uh, we know that, as you said, Daniel Hoyne always bangs on um, from Champion Data about being a, a top six defence. That's, uh, that's your best 
uh, approach to winning a premiership. So they're they're not in that category at the moment, Port. But they can fix it and and they can win it. They um they have been historically a good defensive team in the past. So it, it's it's within them. They're capable, um, and they can absolutely win the flag. Joey did Brody Grundy. Uh, he had a spell on the weekend. Did Brody Grundy get sold a pup by going to Melbourne? Uh, I think that's real talk. But the person that sold him the pup, I think, is Max Gorn. I think that when you look back oh. and the way that it was sold to Brody Grundy was that he was going to be the predominant ruckman and Max Gorn was going to make way and become the forward and be the second ruck. And that hasn't right. worked out because Max Gorn hasn't been able to get it done as a forward. So I think in, when we're talking about, you know, what how have Melbourne handled the Brody Grundy situation, I think it's fair to say that it's, it, you know, it's been Max Gorn that's probably let him down a little bit by not being able to get it done so, as a forward. And now they've gone back to Max Gorn being the number one ruck, which is right, which he's the best ruck at the moment. So, but who sold him that? Who sold him that dream? Was well, that Max Gorn I, that was saying, "Hey, mate, I'm going to play forward. I'll put my hand up and I'll play forward, so you can play in the ruck." Or well, was that Simon Goodwin and the? And was, the coach? I think it was Simon Goodwin and Max Gorn because in that documentary, the right. Show Me the Money documentary, Brody Grundy, I think, was open that he was having conversations with Max Gorn because that was important that Max Gorn could make it work, and Simon Goodwin, and they both said to him. Gorn will play more forward. You'll be basically our predominant number one ruck, which is what his role is. So I think it's absolutely unfair now to ask him to go and play as a forward. I think that's um, that's the oh, contradictory element. Not he, just unfair, Joey. Not just unfair. Impossible. Yeah. He, he's, he can't he can't turn himself into a forward. It's yep. just not going to happen. Um, he's you know forward craft is something that you know we, we, we preach patience with young key forwards for three to four years because it takes time to learn forward craft he's not going to be able to do that now as, as, as um, proficient as he is as some in so other many other areas of the game so yeah look it's a uh, I think it's inevitable now he ends up at another club I was going to ask you you think yep go and be the number one ruck at another yeah. club yeah They've, it looks like they've decided Max Max Gorn's number one ruck at Melbourne. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's probably fair. I think it's unfair to ask him to try and become a forward when he's not. Um, and that's okay. They tried it. They tried the experiment of Max Gorn forward. It didn't work. That's okay. Now they've gone back to their sort of traditional model, and that looks like it's going to be their best chance of winning a flag. And it's not just the craft. He doesn't have the – you know, he doesn't have the athletic oh, the ability yeah. that suits playing. Yeah, that suits playing as a forward compared to a ruckman. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a ruckman, so uh, I think it's a, a inevitable that he'll be somewhere else. What do you got for me? Uh, are there too many chair offs and guard of honours in AFL footy? Oh, guard of honours, absolutely, absolutely. So, so there was Zach Merritt, so two hundred games. Zach Merritt, three hundred. No, oh, 200. Yeah, 200. 200 was it? His two hundredth game. Oh, right. Geelong respectfully gave him a guard of honour. And a chair so off. who do you blame there for? Who do you blame for that though? Well, like I, I, I look at the cats and I think you blokes are, <laughs> you know, you good blokes are trying too hard to be good blokes. I agree. Too, you don't. So that's on them. Like Essendon can't turn around and say, no, no, don't do a guard of honour. That would just be awkward. I, so I'm putting that. Did Paddy? Did Paddy Dangerfield initiate that I, one? I'm not sure. That's, but if that's you, danger. It, that's danger. Just can't, being too good. A, too good a bloke. That's something Joel Selwood would have done as well. well too good right. a bloke sees <laughs> fellas down at Geelong. No guard of honours for 200 games. Heaps Give me of a people spell. play 200. Like it's pretty common to play 200 games these days. So that was Kane's uh, Volker. I completely agree with Kane. I was down at Geelong and thought that's a bit awkward. 200 games getting a 
guard of honour and even getting chaired off down at Geelong. You've just been beaten by 70 points. Like, you are allowed to do not decline the chair from your teammates. Say, boys, let me just – I'm the captain. Let's just get off the field. Give a little wave to your fans yeah. and move on. Like, I never got chaired we, off. We got smacked by the Bombers in uh, my 200th and I stormed off the field. Mm. Uh, I might have actually refused to shake hands with anyone. I was, I was so pissed off. So I thought I was good for a make-up. So I, so I did get chaired off in my 250th, yeah. which I'm a little bit embarrassed about now. And then, uh, and then last game, obviously. Yeah. So I never got chaired um, off. Yeah, I, I agree, Joey. I, I, I think 300 games. Yes. Enough players now are playing 300 games that we we acknowledge those chair off guard of honour. Um, I think is more a last game thing. Yep. Um, and then. 500 for Brett Rosebury on the weekend. Where do you stand on that one? I, I like that one. I, like 500 games is, you know, that's No, nah, and that was a nice gesture by the clubs. I, did, I didn't mind that one, but I agree with you. Anything under your last game, or even if it's 300, maybe. But, um, yeah, we've gone a bit too far with it, but that's all right. Everyone's trying to do the right thing, Rui. Their heart's in the right place. Real talk or shit talk, Lee Montagna is the best analyst in the game. Carlton, Port Adelaide, Port are going to have seven outs. A couple of big ones: Charlie Dixon, Jason Horn, Francis, Willie Rioli. I've got a, I've just got a little gut feel Carlton might be able to pull this off. Now that I've seen the changes, they're playing full of confidence. Carlton, they're playing good footy. This is the Carlton I expected at the start of the year. Just you can hold me to it. I'm spewing. I said gut feel. I should have been more confident. I should have gone a bit harder. Uh, you were pretty confident. You were very confident. Is uh, that because you're the best analyst no, in the game that you can sh- sort of see those things happening no. before they happen? Like we we just look at it. And we think, oh, Port Adelaide, thirteen in a row. They're just going to tick another one off. And <laughs> no, very nice. You just that, that drill shit down into the numbers and. That's shit Gee, talk because I also yeah, – no, shit talk. That's why it is my plan here on a Tuesday with you, Joey. No, I, wait, I also man. thought St Kilda would beat Gold Coast, so that just proves that uh, I got a long <laughs> way to go. But I've enjoyed it. Nice to see you again, Rui. Enjoy that warm weather. The tan's starting to look really good. Look at you. Isn't that, you're in good, Nick. Isn't that good? Hey, you are going. Damn. You are flying. Hey, uh, we'll see you again next Tuesday. Hughesy will be on and we'll talk about the Blues. That. Oh, geez, the bandwagon. They'll be they'll be lifting the lid because they'll be in the eight by next week. Hope you enjoyed Hughesy's today's losing it. <laughs> of Footy Talk. Remember, if you do have a question for us, hit us up on Instagram or on TikTok. Tomorrow, Abby Holmes will be with the very good-looking David Zaharakis. Listener.